You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Always Draft Season podcast, part of the Packernet Podcast Network. Jake Javink here with you guys on this Friday. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed the first game of the NFL season. We are officially back. It's it's really good to be here, no doubt about it. And the Lions upend the Chiefs 21-20. to Pretty shocking result there, honestly, just because... Even though even though Chris Jones and, and Travis Kelsey are out, it felt like the Chiefs really had the game in the bag without drops. Honestly, drops just killed them. Uh, I'm sure on this draft podcast, we are going to potentially be talking about the Chiefs and the wide receiver position down the road. That would not shock me at all. So very interesting game, though, especially because of something I wanted to hit on to start the show. There's a lot we're going to cover but the rookies for uh, the Lions showing up pretty big in this game. Um, if you just just go to PFF, if you just go there uh, on the offensive side of the ball, Jameer Gibbs, uh, their second highest graded player on offense, uh, a 78.8 grade, uh, just 19 total snaps, but made the most of them for sure. I, I think when you look at, you know what Gibbs brings to the table it was always going to be the change of pace explosiveness that that type of thing was going to be his game he carries it seven times for 42 yards six yards per attempt really really good there and and he was really he was really out on the perimeter he obviously slipped on one of his runs probably was going to score there then caught two for 18 as a receiver so just nine touches but he made the most of them for sure I believe nine touches, 60 yards. So, yeah, he he looks like the real deal already. And what I think shown out big with him was not the explosiveness, not the, oh, yeah, he's turning the corner and he's he's picking up big gains, you know, when they're running way to the outside on almost basically sweet plays for Gibbs. But it's the contact balance. It's, it's forcing, I believe, six missed tackles on seven carries. That's a big deal. That does actually feel very camara like and many thought it just wasn't big enough to be a camara i'll tell you what the contact balance looked pretty good last night so jameer gibbs great debut for him sam laporta the ninth highest graded offensive player ahead of amin ross st brown actually 58 snaps for for sam laporta wow uh 27 um, in the passing game as a receiver, five as a pass blocker, 26 as a run blocker. Uh, the run blocking grade was a 61.5. I, I think that makes a, a lot of sense when you look at it. I can't wait to see the film, though. I, it never seemed like he was going to be the you know a, a true inline wide people moving tight end, but to have him you know be a split zone guy, you know, or you know pulling into the hole and just kind of trying to run a guy over, I think that's well within the realm of his skill set but he's never going to be oh yeah combo blocking you know he's not going to be doing all the high level stuff he did get an 80 pass blocking grade which was his highest um grade categorically in just five reps but a tremendous job there and then he caught five for 39 i mean he, he was clearly a part of that passing game and that's definitely something to monitor uh from the green bay sense of things and from you know, dynasty fantasy football, fantasy football, and of course, you know, those who are heavily paying attention to draft rankings, you know, positionally and draft grades. I think everybody pretty much thought that the Laporta pick was a good one. The Gibbs pick is a good player, just was it the value? I, I They're going to ramp him up, I think, slowly when it comes to his snaps, and that's totally fine. When you look at the defensive side of the ball, Seventh highest graded defender for the for the Detroit Lions, Brian Branch. Not overly shocking. He only had a 65.6 grade. I don't think it was the best defensive game from the Lions, even though they got the pick six. I think 
Hutchinson did a lot of work as a pass rusher. Uh, Anzalone did some work as a pass rusher as well. But when you look at Branch, it wasn't really the pick six. That's really more of a luck thing. You know, he took advantage of the opportunity. That's great. He was uh, in coverage for 38 of his 44 snaps, uh, just six in run defense. His run defense grade was a 59, coverage of 66.1. And, of course, to no one's surprise, tackling grade of 77. That is the highest on the team, 77.4. Of course, second on the tackling grade list is rookie linebacker Jack Campbell. Uh, Jack Campbell made a heck of a play in coverage. Uh, that was really his only really tremendous coverage play pff gave him a 49.6 in coverage can't wait to see if that's um reflects how he played on the film but it was he had 19 snaps in coverage so six six in run defense run defense was a 66.6 so a fine debut uh for campbell he's a 53 overall grade isn't gonna you know get people excited about it but i think he did his job making tackles he had a, a big play in coverage you know it, we'll see we'll see how it goes with Campbell linebackers it's genuinely it's it's a difficult position right Quay Walker has dealt with a lot there's a lot put on your plate as a linebacker in your first season as a so I I don't expect Campbell to have a tremendous otherworldly season there are probably going to be some ups and downs but I, I think all things considered the rookies made plays last night and that's what's important for this Lions team they needed that they got that it helped them win the game there's no doubt about it so just wanted to hit on those those things and obviously for someone like I said of myself who didn't love their first day of the draft positional value wise uh, just betting on the idea of opportunity cost and surplus value I don't think they maximized those picks but Jameer Gibbs is, is is a stud for a long time it's gonna be hard to argue with that same with with Campbell I think it was to me they drafted RB2 they drafted linebacker one they drafted tight end four and they drafted safety one or slot corner one, whatever you want to call it, branch, nickel one. They drafted really good players. And, and really, that's that's what matters you know, when you play the games. It's not going it, to – the only thing that would matter to me, right, when I talked about their draft was are the corners going to be able to hold up? And if you look at what PFF had to say about the corners, um, Jerry Jacobs, Cameron Sutton – as the corners, uh, they both graded under 50, so or under 60, I mean, sorry. So not not a great outing for them, and I think that reflects the film as well, at least from what we saw during the game, is Kansas City receivers were open, just mostly two of them were not making the plays when, when, when opportunities were there. So we'll see how the corner situation uh, goes in Detroit all season long, but some interesting... Uh, Interesting thoughts, I think, for for this uh, Lions rookie uh, crop there. The Chiefs, they're rookies. Uh, I don't even know if, I don't think, oh no, Zama was out there. He was actually the second highest graded defender, believe it or not. Uh, 19 snaps, so not out there a ton. 13 as a pass rusher, 5 in run defense, 1 in coverage. Uh, his run defense was the best part of his game, according to PFF. So, but did he did log two pressures? So that's something to monitor for sure. I don't think they had anyone else get super significant snaps. Looks like Chamari Connor got eleven snaps, so a few there. Uh, but overall, it was a lot of the second year guys, of course, and the third year guys getting the snap counts on defense on offense actually the highest graded offensive player for the chiefs was rasheed rice and i mean he caught the first touchdown for the chiefs he had a he had a big one picking up some yards after the catch there he caught three for 29 i think his long was maybe 20 something uh 15 yards after the catch 2.42 yards per route run a pretty strong game from Rice, and and especially as a rookie, where you know they talked a lot about this last year with Sky Moore, is it takes it takes some time to get adjusted into the offense, and it's not an easy offense for rookies to handle. She Rice looked like he handled himself pretty well, so that's that's definitely something to monitor as well, as especially with Tony and Moore not having good games. Will Rasheed Rice 
continue to step up for this passing offense that looks lethargic without Travis Kelsey. So there's some just some rookie uh, insights to the game last night. I wanted to hit as well really quick while we're here a few of the you know top rookie grades uh, from the preseason um, just in the receiving category because again love the receiver position. Uh, Jordan Addison I believe had three targets in the preseason caught one ball for 22 and he was the uh, highest graded rookie receiver uh, with an 84.5 offensive grade. Rakeem Jarrett was actually right behind him Tampa Bay out of out of Maryland Rakeem Jarrett was a day three pick kind of a a smaller guy smaller slot player where you know explosiveness went down the field he caught seven for 132 definitely noteworthy I think for Tampa Bay in the future maybe not necessarily this year right Mike Evans of the contract extension we'll see about that sounds like he might be done as a buck that's obviously something to monitor Zay Flowers uh, caught two for 37 and a touchdown. Obviously had that really uh, nice play against Washington. Elusive after the catch. Had an 83.7 grade. And then Tank Dell uh, had an 81 grade. And, yeah, I mean, he looks difficult to cover when you're going to be in off coverage. That's for sure. When coverage gets tighter, bigger guys are, are messing with you in the slot. There's going to be – it might be a little bit tougher for him. Uh, obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba caught six for 83 in the preseason on seven targets, earned a 75 receiving grade there. I, I think he's going to be the key if Seattle goes on a run. I do. I think their their offense obviously bakes in a ton of running, a ton of deep shots on play action. But when they got to third and seven, third and eight, and I've probably mentioned this on the pod several times now, they just didn't have that intermediate answer. It left Gino when you know a little bit of pressure is coming your way on third and seven, third and eight. He just decided I I'm going to evacuate. I'm I'm throwing it up. I I can't. There's nobody in the middle of the field to help me out. The tight end room is has just hasn't really emerged as consistent threats. So let JSN do the work for you uh, in this slot. Actually, the next two at least who made the top fifty, I think. I mean Malik Keith obviously on there. That's that's noteworthy for Green Bay. He's 40th, uh, not too far. Actually, same receiving grade as as Smith and Jigba. So that's something that's that's really awesome for Heath. Uh, really wanted to bring up Quentin Johnston, who did make the top 50 in terms of receiving grades in the preseason. He caught eight for 62 and a touchdown. It'll be it'll be fun to watch Johnston in a Kellamore offense. There could be a lot of a lot of times where he's he's guy you know kind of being the decoy clear out man or maybe he's going to be running some crossers you know where he's going to be able to use the explosives he has to separate a little bit fascinated to see how johnston is deployed in the kellen moore offense andre yosivash caught 12 for 129 on a touchdown in the preseason same receiving grade as quentin johnston obviously buried on the depth chart in cincinnati but he's a name to watch for Potentially in 2024, there's talk about T. Higgins maybe not re-signing after all with the Cincinnati Bengals. So he would be uh, the guy to maybe step in and be a a player opposite Jamar Chase. And then they have Charlie Jones, who might be the slot after Tyler Boyd leaves. So got to watch those young receivers in Cincinnati for sure. Demario Douglas, a little bit smaller receiver out of, I believe, Liberty, if I'm not mistaken. He caught two for 17, was graded uh, at a 74.7, so a little bit lower than Yosivash and Johnston. But still somebody I think that, that Patriots fans are pretty excited about. Yeah, 5'8", 192, so not super small, but uh, in terms of weight anyway, ran 4.44 from Liberty, sixth-round pick. They need something. New England needs something, a spark, anything on offense. Maybe he's the guy that will do it for them. We'll see. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to highlight a few receiving grades that that I thought were, I thought very interesting from the preseason. Uh, if you wanted to go into, you know, blocking, I, I think, you know, when it comes to the rookies, it's it's going to be very interesting to watch the rookie tackles sort of play. You know, you get last year, of course, was just a struggle for for Evan Neal. Icky Aquanu caught fire a little bit at the end of the season. Charles Cross was a bit up and down. 
So these first round picks, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch to see how quickly they kind of acclimate to things. I will say Steve Avila had one of the higher pass blocking grades of the preseason at guard for the Rams. The run blocking was in the 40s, but the pass blocking was 85. So that's a very Packers like split. If I've ever seen one should be fun uh, to watch him. The Rams really don't have a lot, so it, it'll it be a lot of fun rookie evals if you're watching the Rams this year. So didn't really highlight a ton of things, but I, I, I wanted to bring that up just because there are some rookies that uh, of note to me that I think will at least decidedly make some sort of impact this season. I know that the rookies, uh, the rookie QBs, it wasn't great uh, this preseason, and I, I think they're going to struggle. Their supporting casts are not great. I think Young has the best offensive line. After that, maybe it's Richardson who's got the best you know, receiving room. I think Stroud and Young have, you know, I think tied for maybe, you know, how, how the running back help looks. It just could be a, a struggle. I just don't think, you know, we talk about this all the time, you know, that the, the quarterbacks are joining bad teams. And so what, what can you do uh, to maximize the help that you can provide for your quarterback? I think Frank Reich is in a good position to do that. And I do think that Shane Steichen is in a good position to have Richardson, who's a lot like Hertz in terms of the running skill set. So that's always that's going to help you out. You know, you're not going to put yourself in the frying pan immediately, at least in Richardson's case, where oh yeah, a drop back game. You know, you're going to handle a bunch of these progressions and reads. No, I think they're going to take it slower, but he's still going to play, and I think he should play. So let's get to the next part of this. We're going to go quick and, and furious through this. A lot to talk about. Wanted to hit on some performances uh, from last week in college football, the true week one in college football, which is, it's very exciting that that is back as well. Draft eval is going to be a lot of fun throughout the season. Uh, working on a few things on the sub stack. There'll be receiver breakdowns and quarterback charting, maybe even charting Brock Bowers. I'm going to chart Brock Bowers' 2022 film as well. So a little tight end charting. That should be fun. And yeah, overall evaluations. So you should be stay tuned on that. The Substack. If you go to my Twitter at JakeNRL Draft, you can find the link there. So Drake May and North Carolina downed South Carolina last weekend. Wanted to highlight May's performance a little bit just because I thought, you know, when you look at the box score, it didn't look like, oh, it wasn't super overwhelming. However, PFF loved what he did 86.6 passing grade. He completed 24 of 32 for 269. Two touchdowns, two picks. One of those picks was not deemed a turnover-worthy play. And I'm sure Mahomes, his his last night, was not either. So it gives you a that's why I love turnover-worthy plays. It gives you great insight into, oh, this pick really wasn't on the quarterback, was on the receiver, or whatever it may be. But he did have two big time throws in that game. Uh the adjusted completion percentage was 90%. So three drops from his receiving core that was not uncommon on film last year i think drake may uh, it should still be in the qb1 conversation with williams and i know williams we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people so u.s cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five that's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I think as as obviously, you know, figured out the poised playmaking under pressure stuff a lot better than May has to this point. But if you look at Drake May, 70 passing grade under pressure this go-round. Completed 4 of 8 for 74 yards. A touchdown. Did have both picks there, but only one was deemed turnover-worthy. So that's, again, something to monitor. With, with May, I think the if, if the pressure grades go up, if he looks better under pressure, that was one of his issues. If the footwork is cleaned up, he's as good as – he's as precise and he's, I think a better anticipatory thrower. We've talked about this than, than Williams is. Williams is still a very much – I, I got to see the receiver's face looking at me before I'm throwing it. May doesn't really need that. He, he operates things really well. You know, we talked about the touch layering throws, ball placement's excellent. So Drake May, in, in the first test, I'm going to chart him later tonight. Uh, it should be fun to go through film on all that. But all intents and purposes, from what I saw live, it looked pretty good, other than other than one of the two interceptions. If we want to talk about uh, Williams for a second, I think it's it's worth talking about it through two games. He has been pretty much what we expected him to be uh the grades are good he's he's played you know to to be fair he has played san jose state and nevada uh the fumbling grades are really low it's a 26 uh so that's you know not 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 the best it's not ideal i I think he had a really solid first outing against san jose state nothing too crazy but he did have an 88.7 passing grade against Nevada. Obviously has nine touchdowns, no picks this year. He does have two turnover-worthy plays, though, just to, to five big-time throws. Completing 72%, 82.6%, adjusted completion percentage, 11.9 yards per attempt. So it's been seamless so far. I, I can't wait till we get to Pac-12 play where he's dueling with guys like Bo Nix, like Michael Penix Jr., and Shadur Sanders, who we're going to talk about here in a second, that's going to be really fun to watch, those type of duels. I'm sure the UCLA game will be fun as well. They, they believe they have Notre Dame still on the schedule. Should be good. It's going to be Stanford this week for Caleb Williams, so nothing really to talk about uh, from that standpoint this week. So just more stay tuned on the quarterback front. We'll be talking about them a lot uh, down the stretch here. I want to get to... We're going to stay on the QB thing. Let's get to Shadur Sanders from Colorado, who, you know, maybe had a little bit of question marks coming in out of from an HBCU, just because again, it's it's like an FCS player making a jump. It is it, it could be a difficult jump to make. Plays the TCU defense. TCU defense wasn't exactly world beaters last year. They won a lot of close games. They gave up a ton of points in the college football playoff. Well, they give up. Uh, Give up like 110 points, I think, in their two games. So, you know, and that's that's part of it. But again, Colorado beating TCU, Sanders playing TCU, is that better than uh, Nevada and San Jose State? Probably. Uh, Sanders completed 38 of 47 for 510, four touchdowns, no picks, three big time throws, one turnover-worthy play, 83% adjusted completion percentage. He was dominant. Uh, when you know over the middle of the field uh, deep down the field obviously the grade was a 94.9 all three of his big time throws were down the field and he missed some throws down the field too that could have been 
sitting here talking about a 650-yard passing game. He played solid to every level. It was 6 of 10 in the intermediate window, and then was 21 of 21 short. So, yeah, everything looks really good. An adjusting completion percentage of 50%, 20-plus yards down the field. That's usually pretty good. That's a that's a, a good mark to beat. I think Drake Mays and Caleb Williams' last year were like 49 and 47. So just gives you an idea. Obviously, it's just one game. But he looks comfortable. He looks decisive. Pressure doesn't really phase him too much. We'll look at the passing pressure stats really quick. Under pressure, it was a 65 grade. Nothing too crazy. Did have a turnover-worthy play under pressure, though. But when kept clean, obviously, he was in the 90s. When blitzed, when blitzed. And, and that doesn't necessarily constitute pressure. But when blitzed, he was an 87.9 passing grade. Very interested to see how Sanders progresses in Pac-12 play. They have Nebraska this week. The line is interesting, but I imagine Colorado can go in and dominate Nebraska if they can dominate TCU. Now, it doesn't always work that way in college football, but we'll see. Sanders definitely somebody wanted to highlight. And then we get to the main event almost. And I think a a performance that I, I quite enjoyed. And I'll, I'll get to one more guy because I'm going to bring him up after the break. But I wanted to, to get off QB just for a second here and go to my guy Keon Coleman, who I'm about to drop top five receiver rankings. That's part of the top five rankings that we're going to do uh, after the break. But I think he should have been higher than my wide receiver five. I'll just put it that way. Entering the season, he caught nine of 11 targets for 122 yards, three touchdowns, 81 receiving grade, 80.1 drop grade. Played seven snaps in the slot, 24 out wide. One was deemed in line, 54 yards after the catch, six yards after the catch per reception, 4.07 yards per route run. One three of four contested balls for first downs. So having gone through Coleman's film already, I have... I, I love what I see and I, and I loved what I saw at Michigan State. It was a, it wasn't the same type of thing where he's always getting targeted in 50-50 situations. That was a lot of what Michigan State was. He obviously converted a ton on those. But he looks sudden. He looks slippery for a guy of his size, 6'4" 215. And and you wouldn't think on the field when you're watching the Florida State film that that Coleman is 6'4" because Johnny Wilson is 6'7" playing outside receiver. He had a good day. I think he had over 100 yards as well. But Coleman is the real deal because when you watch the film, you see really everything that you want to see as a receiver, and you didn't get to see all of that at Michigan State because it was on the vertical plane a ton. Obviously, he looks sudden out of his breaks with the comeback and curl routes, but he just wasn't asked to do a lot, and he was getting targeted in situations where yards after the catch weren't really available to him. It was in this game, and he obviously he capitalized on it. But really quick on it, he positions himself well to catch point. That is very clear. We know that. I think when he's in a situation where he needs to elevate, he will. When the situation needs to make a last-minute adjustment, he will. The one that I really liked is it wasn't a touchdown. It wasn't in the red zone. It was just a vertical route where contact disrupted him a little bit on his route and he regained the stack that he that he was intending to do got back on the line he needed to get back on and really walled the defender off and, and I thought that was really really good job at revealing that he can do all of the things asked of a vertical receiver while still showing you that yeah the catch point's still mine when I'm at full speed you know what I'm winning down the field. So loved that. But at the same time, the route running was really good. There was a route where he uh the throw was off target, and you know, he he stems at the defender who had inside leverage, swipes with his hands to get on top and stack. He peeks back inside just to get the defender to maybe bite on anything, snaps off the route to the corner uh at the boundary and was open. And Travis just missed him. Then you had a play where he worked into the blind spot of the corner exactly when you need 
to sink your hips and get out of the break is when the corner is basically speed turning at that point. Did so, separation generated there. Then obviously you saw the first touchdown where, you know, just kind of a nice little move, nice little sudden move there on the defender uh, with, with the ball in his hands. He also had a play where, you know, he's basically running a flat route. Defender is obviously trying to make sure he doesn't get the corner. Coleman realizes this, you know, drops the hips to change direction, made the defender miss and picks up, you know, four or five yards that he otherwise wouldn't have gotten if he just kept running uh, to the flat. So showed it up, showed up in all three phases of the game. That's what you need to do. He's he's already got the the X receiver build, but when you have that type of suddenness, it, it, I, I can't imagine as long as he continues on this path that we're not talking first round for Keon Coleman uh, next April. So big fan of how he did there. Riley Leonard was the last one I wanted to bring up quarterback playing against Clemson. The Clemson defense, uh, they did a pretty good job. I mean, Leonard only completed 50% of his passes. Uh, his adjusted completion percentage was 67.9, though. 17 of 34, 175. No touchdowns, no picks. Uh, the rushing grade was really good, though, 87.2. He is a, a, a quarterback who can win on the move. His passing grade was 60.8. It wasn't like, you know, the, the stat line doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence, especially because he was basically one of six beyond 10 yards. That's not very good. Um, but he was 11, 15. He, he operates the quick game at a high level. He's a good anticipatory thrower against zone against man coverage. He just doesn't have the resources really at his disposal to, to, to dominate a team like Clemson. I think it'll get a lot better. Going forward, though, I still have my eyes on Leonard to potentially be the QB uh, three of this class. There is a guy, though, that's threatening it. We'll talk about him in a minute here, but he really the passing grade didn't really change between keeping him clean under pressure and blitz and whatnot. His offensive grade obviously goes up under pressure and when blitzed because he's a good runner, and that was very clear in that game as well, but definitely want to see uh, his passing grade get a little better i'm going to chart him as well tonight so we are going to take a break and get to uh the top fives at some positions right now and who to watch this weekend but before we do that as you know the number one pick in the nfl draft can be a true game changer this episode is brought to you by the number one pick in barbecue for the Packernet podcast, that is Old Southern Barbecue, OldSouthernBBQ.com. Their award-winning sauces are comparable to a slam dunk first-round pick. And what I'm talking about is the Dixie Red Sauce, super sweet, super tangy. And then they have their spicy Chicago Fire if you're more into a chili blend and a little more kick than a sweet sauce, but two really good sauces to look into they also have rubs that will be the final ingredient to a championship run adding the perfect flavor to your brisket ribs and even pork chops with fall game days beginning soon if you're up in the northwest wisconsin area you know look at old southern barbecue for a dynamic edge with excellent catering they're going to give you a, a ton of different options i went through some of the stuff and looked at you know their barbecue dusted cheese bites hickory smoked wings and barbecue sliders those sound amazing so look at the catering for sure if that's something where you're hosting on sundays a lot they're going to give you plenty of variety that that will keep people coming back so visit oldsouthernbarbecue.com for all of your barbecue and catering needs and we will be right back All right, guys, back here with it's always draft season. So obviously wanted to now get into, because we didn't get to this before the season started, we're still going to get to it and, and probably over a two-show span. We're going to get to top fives at every position for the 2024 NFL draft. Just some initial ones. Obviously, things are subject to change. Keon Coleman will probably be moving up my rankings um, after his performance in week one. And if he consistently does that over the season, 
but he will stay at my at receiver five. That's the only spoiler that you're getting at this point. So let's dive into the current top fives at we'll do quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. We'll do tackle, and then we will actually skip over uh, interior. Haven't quite gotten to enough where I would feel confident making a top five. I've gotten to maybe 11 guys. Would like to get to 20 uh, in that position, but we're going to go to edge. Feel comfortable putting one, uh, putting a top five group from that. So let's start at QB. You know, Caleb Williams is one. Feels pretty obvious. I mean, we, we don't have to really harp on a lot more with Williams. We've talked about him a ton on this podcast already. Boy, it's a playmaker, great arm talent, makes incredible things happen on the field, whether it be throwing on the run, in the face of pressure, jumping up in the air, leaving his feet, and still throwing dimes. There's just things that he does every week that you're going to go, wow. And great scrambler. I think you could link him to a Mahomes-Kyler type of prospect where he does well and does spectacular things out of structure and can scramble and move around, give him more structure and see how he operates. I thought he did a good job in that opener against San Jose State. There was a really similar concept to uh, one that Jordan Love had against the Eagles that I've talked about where he just he, he really read the, read the defenders well and where they were attacking and converted for a touchdown. That type of processing skill is what I want to see within the pocket. I can't wait uh, to see him, like I said, in, in Pac-12 play. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be exciting. It will be electric. Uh, Drake May is my number two. Of course, he brings the precision that Stroud did uh, from last year's draft with the ability to scramble, make plays on the move as well. He's out, he's another one who you know is a, a more dynamic athlete than probably given credit for. Operates the quick game well, good anticipatory thrower. Can layer throws over coverage, zip throws into the outside, drop the ball in the bucket on the deep ball. Like he's got it all, really. It's just about footwork and, like I said, improving against pressure, which he did against South Carolina. So credit to him in that regard. Just want to keep keep uh, keep stair stepping those improvements as we go along. So I did have Riley Leonard as my QB three from Duke coming into the season. Just um, so he had a 70.7 adjusted completion percentage last year, 2,951 yards, 20 touchdowns, 6 picks, 69.4 passing grade, had a rushing grade over 80, 16 big-time throws to 8 turnover-worthy plays. We talked about what he did against Clemson. I'm still optimistic about what he's going to bring. Haven't really talked about his game a whole lot, but like I said, I think he's great quick game operator. His, his clock needs to get a little bit faster within the pocket. We've seen him, you know, operate read option stuff. He's a great, he's a good thrower on the move. Just want to see that those deep, um, deep ball stats and, and accuracy stuff go up this season. Again, we, we know Duke isn't this high recruiting school, uh, but obviously they picked up Leonard who had big time basketball offers from a lot of places as well. So just something to monitor too. That's that should show the type of athlete he is playing the quarterback position. But yeah, I think Leonard will still get the opportunity to show how precise and how skilled he is at you know processing things pre-snap and post-snap. I think he might get a little bit more of the traditional label at QB than others will in this draft, and I think that's just fine. So he'll be someone to watch. I, I'm sure. We're going to see uh, comps to Daniel Jones because they both went to Duke. I don't think, I mean, Jones throws, Jones threw a better deep ball and turnovers were a problem for Jones a little bit more. I don't, I don't quite see the comp other than obviously being good athletes and, you know, solid throwers of the football from Duke. That's, that's really where the comparisons start and end. But I do like Riley Leonard a lot. And I'm still going to be interested to see in how he how he plays throughout the season. Uh, my number four QB is JJ McCarthy from Michigan. Just talk about like a true game manager, game executor type of thing where he is, you know, on point. He's making the right reads. It doesn't look fun. It doesn't look 
ludicrous stuff like Williams is doing, but he's doing all the right things. And I think that's important. Had a 73.2 adjusted completion percentage last year, 2,724 yards, 20 touchdowns, 5 picks, 75.7 passing grade, 19 big-time throws, 13 turnover-worthy plays. And, you know, I think he had an he had a uh, – grade above 89 in both the intermediate and deep areas of the field last year 62.3 grade short 64 behind the line of scrimmage so that's very interesting but he looked really good against east carolina i mean it's east carolina but you know he's making consistent throws on the run he's making more consistent throws in the intermediate area it was really about that because the flashes are there and you see the grades reflect it but you know, consistently hitting out routes in the intermediate area of the field, consistently hitting the deep ball, corners, posts, all that. He needs to be more consistent there. He's he's competitive. He's tough. And another guy who can, you know, make things happen on the move. The second play is available to him as well. So I do like McCarthy quite a bit as my four. It was it was genuinely tough to pick a fifth. I, I struggled a lot trying to figure out who would be my number five QB. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but it is Bo Nix from Oregon. It's wild to say that. And I do think when I want to be clear here when I'm talking about the top five QBs, you know, I think there is a significant tear break between May and Leonard and McCarthy and all these guys. I think there's a lot of competition in this other tier. And I think we haven't left one since we started with QB three with Leonard right now. So when you look at Knicks, I just think it's it's been such a resurgence. I did a post on my Substack about this, where he just feels like he is not the same panicky, eyes drop, must leave clean pockets, have to be a scrambler, terribly bad accuracy. You know, turnovers are are coming to him in in droves. Player he was at at, at Auburn, he isn't that guy anymore. He looks more poised. You know, he's hitting the deep ball. He's dropping in the bucket really well. He's executing better at a high level with with a lot of the quick game and intermediate uh, concepts. Oregon's giving him, you know, some easy stuff for sure to keep the confidence high, but he is really playing at a different level than he played at Auburn. It's not even close. And obviously, you know, his, his offense put up 81 points last week against Portland State. So, you know, the offense is high flying. He's got Troy Franklin there who... I think it cracked the top five receivers. That was another. It was another tough, uh, tough deal at, at receivers trying to put a top five together. But I, I think Nick's just has to work on not always wanting to hero ball stuff. That's a very Geno Smith thing, for sure. I think that's actually a good comp, to be honest. Uh, you know, he needs the changeup to be a little bit better. Nick's does. I think he. It just it feels like he's in an in-between when he's throwing intermediate up the seam, you know, trying to layer throws in the dig routes. It just looks like it's just off. So he's got to develop a better change up to layer throws, be more precise there. But I'm loving what I've seen. This this resurgence, this this Bo Nix reborn at QB five is is really cool to see. Just want to highlight a few others that are competing there. Sanders is obviously on that list. We talked about him. Quinn Ewers is here if he just kind of just can work within structure more. He's got the arm talents for days. He's got probably easily top three arm talent in the class. It might even be higher than Williams and May, to be honest. The velocity is is insanely good. And he can layer throws. He is, you know, ripping fifteen yard outs, touch on, you know, fifty yard balls on the field. It's unreal. It's just can you rein him in? He's a wild horse. Can you rein him in and play more precise? strong football in the in the in the fundamentals that's what's important with him michael Penix is a really precise thrower can do it on the move really strong post snap processor really like what Penix is doing that offense is going to be fun jordan travis is a gamer uh doesn't have overwhelming you know throw power velocity it's just you know nothing like that he's not overwhelmingly good against pressure or you know even in the intermediate area but he just finds a way, man. He is he is scrambling to make plays. He's just finding ways to stay creative and, and get things done. He does bite off more than he can chew sometimes. There were some some risky throws, some turnover-worthy throws in that game against LSU that he kind of got away with a little bit. Uh, he sticks to the play a little bit too much when it broke down. That was with the first p- the pick you saw against LSU. 
just didn't see the defender, just wanted to throw that anyway. Uh, and then Michael Pratt from Tulane had a really good start to the season. He's somebody you should be watching this week against Mississippi. That's going to be a great game. Pratt's got a rocket for an arm. Uh, all right, let's move to running back here as we we're on quarterback a little bit longer than I wanted to. I want to talk. Braylon Allen's my top running back right now. I think it's just the style he runs with. I, I want him to be more elusive. He's going to have to prove that you know he can make guys miss one-on-one moment of truth type of thing where it's it's just you and one defender they've got everybody blocked but your assignment is you got to beat them somehow otherwise really powerful downhill runner exceptional vision cognitive skills are, are on point in terms of mirroring patience with the idea of wanting to attack and it, that i think dane Brugler really coined the route tempo term or not route route tempo rushing tempo where it's it looks like pro golfer swings when he is running. Some guys look a little more erratic where, you know, they the hole, they're late to seeing a hole or they're a little too proactive and, you know, they miss a hole like because they're just trying to follow the blocks too much. Allen is just like the perfect PJ Tour swing. That's what it is. He is just the timing is so good that... It just looks seamless when he runs. He's got pretty good uh, breakaway speed. He is he is really good. It's just it's, put it that way. Braylon Allen is really natural running between the tackles, and he can he can be a big play a machine as well when when given the chance. I got Blake Corum at two, really elusive. Uh, obviously, can drop drop the hips, drop weight, change direction with ease. Uh, it's really hard to get a handle on him when he gets to the second level like i said he's elusive make guys miss has the burst and speed to convert big uh big explosive runs competes as a pass blocker catch the ball to the backfield tough and and definitely a leader on michigan's defense we've talked about him quite a bit travion henderson i've got at three i think when you talk about you, you we've talked a lot about upright runners where they're just not in good position to handle contact Travion Henderson, the complete opposite of that. He is really good at running low to the ground um, and really good at at timing the, the dropping of the weight when contact is on its way even more so than he already does. I am thoroughly impressed with, obviously, the breakaway speed, impressed with how he runs between the tackles. I am... Very excited to see you know a healthy Travion Henderson. He had 1.3 yards after contact per attempt against Indiana this year. Last year, he averaged 2.72 yards after contact per attempt, but injuries derailed his season a little bit last year when he was a freshman in 2021. Oh, my goodness. Uh, an 83.6 rushing grade, uh, 1,248 yards and 15 touchdowns, 4.3 yards after contact per attempt, 50 missed tackles forced crazy stuff there i i was i i really really uh not super surprised at that his elusive rating as a freshman was like 116 yeah 116 which is pretty high uh it's not Bijan high but it's high uh the elusiveness has gone down over the past couple of years but if if he can regain that 2021 form we're looking at a really good running back prospect who should go top 50 i got raheem sanders at four yeah, I well, maybe a little too harsh on Raheem Sanders early uh, in the eval process, but he's big, strong, has the burst and speed to break away long runs for scores. Uh, I just think that when you watch Raheem Sanders, and I think we've talked about him, so you know, don't want to don't want to sit on this too much. Uh, but yeah, I think he gets nimble and skinny between the tackles, seeks out contact. I think it's just the vision and needs more tempo and feel between the tackles. Pass pro is not very good, but he's elusive in space too. And he, when you're a bruiser elusive and you got game breaking speed at 237, it's pretty good. It's pretty good, I will say. Um, at number four, or not number four, Sanders was four. At number five, I got Donovan Edwards just because I think the game breaking speed, I think he just needs to be a little bit more flexible in terms of elusiveness, but I am. I'm really impressed with what I saw from Edwards. Catches the football well. Again, he he can make he can make you miss. 
at times when he, he looks like the, everything's more unlocked and fluid in terms of his flexibility and his hips to change direction. Uh, seen him win on, against linebackers one-on-one in routes. See him finding space when he's running routes to help the quarterback out. And just adding the game-breaking play speed to all of that. And you've you've got yourself a real exciting running back who can be a lightning to anyone's thunder in the NFL any day. A couple others on the list. Uh, Bucky Irving from Oregon is elusiveness master. Dude just makes people miss every time he touches the ball. And Trey Benson is a really fun t- uh, running back out of Florida State who you know packs a punch with with great power, bowling ball, you know to, to bounce off people, a wicked stiff arm, and a really good runner between the tackles. Stays tough, falls forward, picking up yards after contact. Obviously, Mayan Williams. We've talked about him. Crazy good elusive rating, crazy good missed tackle force numbers. He'll be in the mix as well as a guy you can add to a rotation. So running back looks pretty good. Wide receivers quite loaded again. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., number one. You know him, natural route runner. Great feel versus zone. Easy work against press coverage. Great hand usage mirrored with you know consistent releases and, and good footwork. Crisp routes. Great body control, great catch point um, instincts, catching instincts as well. He elevates to win the ball. He can make adjustments. He does it all. Uh, Mika Buka, I actually have it too. Um, smooth player, just needs to work on like we've talked about. You know, he's a good route runner, great feel against zone, good deep threat, good track of the ball, great hands. Just have to work on combating contact a little bit more in the stem, and, and we'll have. A great receiver. I've got Malik Neighbors from LSU at three. Really good here. I, I think you look at the size, you look at you know his ability to sink his hips, get in out of breaks, you know, mirrors that well with strong hands, combative uh, through the stem. Does a really good job doing the kind of push flyby type of thing where you know you're kind of even with the corner and you just kind of give that little push while you're sinking your hips and you've gained some separation he does that he's really savvy really good tracker of the football and obviously an explosive threat after the catch he uh he should have a big year as long as lsu is staying in rhythm offensively i actually have maybe a little controversial xavier worthy at four i think he is you know exceptionally talented as a separator you know really consistent route runner he's obviously you know he's he's small and the weight is going to be the concern, right? We we talked about we're going to talk about him the way we talked about Devonte Smith, Addison, Downs, all these guys. Great deep threat. Just needs to work on the body catching. We've talked about him a lot already on the pod. Don't want to get too crazy with him. And then Keon Coleman, who we've talked about at length about his performance last week. He just does it in three phases, and it's great to see that. That's really exciting for him. A couple guys who just missed uh, Roma Dunze from from Washington. You know. Those who know, know I'm a big fan of Roma Dunze's game. Silky smooth, uh, great hands, great routes. You know, still a big play threat as well. And he's in the offense that's going to give him a lot of chances. It's going to be fun. Production numbers should go through the roof this season. Troy Franklin, um, burst, explosive, wins down the field, good hands, good body control. He's somebody who it was tough to leave off the list, I'll be really honest. Uh, I really like how, how he plays. At Oregon, he's going to have Bo Nix feeding him the ball. Could be a big year for him as well, so he could jump up in the rankings. Could be a breakout player. Tight end, there's not a lot of notes I, I'll say about a lot of these guys just because I know time is of the essence here a little bit. Adonai Mitchell, though, from, from Georgia going over to Texas, another receiver to keep a watch on. Obviously, Brock Bowers is number one for me. Not really too much to say about him after that. I I do like Benjamin Eurosec as number two out of Stanford. Silky smooth route runner. He's probably going to be more of an F tight end as well as Bowers. Uh, the blocking isn't quite there, but he's a tough ask even in even in man coverage. So you know when you're smooth and you've got some some pretty good explosiveness for the tight end. You know, it's going to be a tough ask for defenses, and Eurosec definitely does that. I think he had a big week last week, if I'm not mistaken, for Stanford against Hawaii. So I have uh, Ben Sinat from Kansas State at three. Maybe a little bit shocking there, but I, I will say he is he's not the biggest, I don't think, tight end. 
Uh, but man, he really competes as a blocker and he's really smooth and savvy in his routes. He looks like just Mr. Fundamental in every aspect of the game, and I really like that about Sinat. And like I said, these it's a lot gonna be a smaller class at, at, at tight end, but I'm really thrilled with this group. There's there's a lot of guys to look at. Uh, I have Jatavian Sanders from Texas at four. And I with Jatavian Sanders, it's it's another once again receiving tight end with size, speed, athleticism, great hands, right? Good yak player, good at the catch point, and not really a blocker. So you're seeing the the uh the theme that's going on here. I'm really interested to see how truthfully Luke Lachey and Theo Johnson are two guys who could crash the party, but my fifth is Bryson Nesbitt for now out of UNC, another guy who has pretty impressive length, uh, going to be a guy who can you know kind of expand the target zone for the quarterback, really like that and him. And, yeah, I think he's another guy you can flex out wide. So, you know, looking at this class, it's going to be really Brevin Span Ford if you go on a guy who's going to be in line a ton. Uh, so, yeah, Nesbitt at five after Bowers, Eurosec, Sinat, Sanders, and then Nesbitt, one through five. Just going to do tackles. I'm actually going to push edge rushers to next week so we have enough time in this loaded show to get to really the the matchups of the week. Uh, tackle one for me is Olu Fashanu. We've talked about him a ton. Great pass protector, great technique, good anchor, great hands, ability to redirect, ability to you know fight for positioning, to regain leverage, anchor. He just really does it all as a pass protector, but obviously you want to see him bully people more in the run game, and that's going to be the big question mark for him this coming season. At number two, we have for me, I am I'm diving into the hype a little bit of he's moving over to left tackle. I got JC Latham at two right now. Really like the kick slide. I I am impressed with how fleet of foot he is for such a bigger player at tackle. Um very excited about that really powerful people mover in the run game uh generates good extension as a pass blocker he's got good hands they're in tight the placement's really good he's got good vertical sets he can combo and climb he's a really tremendous athlete uh he combats inside moves you know he's obviously with a big guy you know you're you're kicking you're kick sliding hard into your sets so you have to be able to control with your inside hand against inside moves he does that really well uh, the, the hands stay active to regain leverage. Same with you know, same as as Fashanu does. I think he can he can help his feet catch up with his hands because they're so powerful with grip strength. He just needs to worry about getting out over his skis with balance issues, and that's something that Neil had to work has to work on. Latham has to do the same. I got Amarius Mims at three, uh, elite size. Great strength in the run game. He's a displacer. You know, the raw power is there to handle the bull rush, even though the hand placement isn't very good at the moment. Uh, the athleticism flashes are exceptional when you're talking about mirroring and pass protection or getting out in space as a run blocker. It, vertical sets are good. Reach blocking is really good. You know, that that type of power athleticism just doesn't come along very often, and he's, he's you know, huge as well. So, Really, it's the hand placement right now that's and, and worrying about vision and, and picking up pressure, whether it be coming from you know simulated, delayed, or picking up stunts. He needs to work on that. So, really, it's just more technical with him if we can make that jump. Joe Alt is Mr. Consistency at number four. You know, I, I he loses slow, which is good as a pass protector. Uh, I don't think he's overwhelmingly strong or overwhelmingly quick. He has everything solid, and when you're projecting, you know, eight months out, some of the guys like Latham and Mims are going to get the edge over Alt, but he is a really good number four. That's an ex- extremely good number four in the rankings. At five, it was a little bit tougher because I, I think there's a lot of good contenders for five, but I'm going to go Patrick Paul from Houston. We've been talking about him a while. Uh, my guy Brian uh, Brian Moffey on Twitter, he's been talking about him a ton for a long time, and boy he's he's nailed it calling him i think a couple seasons ago if i'm not mistaken paul's been there a while though i think he's 
one of those guys who will be at the Senior Bowl. Uh, when it comes to how he plays, it's it's size, it's length. You know, it, it it's harder to get quick leverage on him with a player that long. Um, and when he can land that initial strike, it's tough to handle as well. A good mirroring skills, he handles twists and stunts. He's got a good anchor, right? That comes from all that functional strength. The grip strength is really good. I think when when the run game rolls around, he's he's out there trying to lunge too much with that initial strike to try and displace. Uh, he can overset a little bit. Does he have the quicks for zone blocking is a, is a question mark for sure. But I think overall, Patrick Paul is is still somebody who's developing, and and that's really exciting when you have again a player of that size tremendous length that's just honing what athleticism he has and turning that into fundamental strength so those are the top five tackles i'm going to cut it off there it's going to want to get to the last few minutes here we're pushing an hour i want to talk about matchups this week and i think that's uh you know something that we want to keep talking about on the pod as much as possible throughout the season uh we'll try to pick stuff out uh, that are Packers related as well. You're just not going to get a lot of top matchups in these first few weeks where you go, oh, yeah, I can't wait to see how Brock Bowers plays against Ball State this weekend. Like, nobody's asking that question, right? So, you know, it's about picking out uh, guys who have good matchups. And Notre Dame NC State's an interesting one to look at both alts and. Blake Fisher a tackle another guy who's interesting and maybe fighting for that tackle five six spot because it's a legitimate ACC team that they're playing this week and they've been just crushing teams so far so you haven't got a good eval of alt or Fisher at this point I would get that would take a look at that for sure other than that I think I want to go to the matchup of the week I, I talked about Pratt against Mississippi uh, Jackson Dart Still a name that we haven't talked about a whole lot where, you know, there's still some like potential with him to maybe declare if he if he continues this breakout. There's a lot of guys on that old uh, on that Mississippi team that that are going to help him out and elevate the numbers. He's got a great supporting cast. So Mississippi Tulane might be a shootout to watch two quarterbacks in Miami, Texas A&M. Great matchup. Cameron Kinchins playing in SEC school. An SEC school as well who's got talent at receiver. Uh, if you're even looking further out than, than this next draft, uh, I believe, yeah, Evan Stewart is so good. If this is the player I'm thinking of. Yeah, Evan Stewart from A&M is a really good receiver. There's a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism. Can Kinchins keep up with an SEC school? That's going to be really fun to watch. For sure. Um, you know, will Cooper DeGene have a giant game when Iowa plays Iowa State? That's, you know, if you're watching the safeties, you should be watching that game as well. There's no doubt about it. Uh, for those who think that, you know, the Packers need more help at defensive line, you're looking long term. You know, I think Jerzon Newton, Illinois against Kansas in, in a little bit is going to be really good. Uh, it's, you know, Kansas is a high-powered offense. Can Illinois' defense stick with them? I think Newton's going to have to pressure the quarterback a ton to to really even that game out. Texas-Bama. Texas-Bama. Game of the week. Matchup of the week. It's Xavier Worthy against Kool-Aid McKinstry, two players. We have talked about a good deal already on the pod, but sometimes it just works out that way. And and when you talk about Worthy, it's always about can he combat you know, physical play and press coverage. Well, the way to combat that is by being super sudden, super deceptive, and super explosive. In your breaks, at your release, like all that, it has to be on point. Devontae Smith has obviously perfected that. Can Worthy do the same against Kool-Aid McKinstry, who has the size, who has the length? And it's going to be interesting because Worthy's really dynamic as a route runner as well. But McKinstry's real draw is how quick and how sudden and how athletic he is in the change of direction skills, right? From flipping the hips to carry vertically, you know, transitioning back downhill. When those two match up, it is going to be 
popcorn. You know, it, it's a movie. They're gonna they're gonna go at it. It's gonna be just a tremendous display of can good technical explosive receiver play outweigh tremendous change of direction skills and physicality of of a top corner it is everything you want in a matchup this week okay well that's going to do it for this episode there was a lot we covered and talked about we'll try to get on a better schedule going forward we'll kind of on monday probably recap some rookie performances and we'll talk a lot about you know how draft prospects fared that's going to be fun as well and we're going to keep diving in. We'll dive into prospects that are emerging. We'll, we'll do we'll be doing a lot uh, throughout football season. So hope you guys stick around for that. Again, you can follow me at Jake NFL Drafts, YouTube, Substack. That's all there. I will get out of here. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy college football. Enjoy opening NFL weekends. <laughs>